G'day, you're listening to a sermon from Good News Christian Church. My name's Bernard. I'm the preacher and minister at Good News Christian Church. During this coronavirus pandemic, we're actually streaming, live streaming all of our church services. So after you've listened to this sermon, you might like to, on Sunday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time, 9.30, get across to our YouTube channel and join us for a whole church service. It's never been easier to come to church. Anyway, for now, why not read the Bible readings that are written down in the description, uh, read those and then listen to this sermon and get in touch sometime. I'd love to hear how you go with it. Cheers. Anyway, let's uh, let's uh, delve into Romans 12. Have you got that passage in front of you there? Please keep it um, in front of you. So he- here we go. Since Friday afternoon at 3pm, uh, we've moved to stage two of our government's roadmap to recovery. We're allowed uh, more visitors in our homes, which is marvellous. We're at greater freedoms, like staying at shacks or, or friends' places overnight now. Uh, larger groups of us are now allowed to gather. That is, if you can find a venue that's large enough to accommodate the one person per four square metre uh, rule. You can eat out under certain constraints. Some shops are reopening, which means some people are able to uh, get their jobs back, um, some at least. Uh, Let me just say, I believe that the road out of this thing will prove harder for us than the road in and the road so far. Uh, Now, perhaps I'm wrong, and I really do hope that I'm wrong about that, uh, but the onset of the pandemic, didn't it come so suddenly and with such terrifying ferocity, you know, news coming out of China, news coming out of Italy uh, that was fearsome, and it fostered a certain... Uh, laser focus and simplicity for us, I think. We just did what we had to do. And I'm very glad that our government did what it had to do and put in the measures uh, that we're now reaping the benefits of. Um, But now, well, do I act like things are back to normal? Well, no, things are not back to normal. Uh, Will we, very likely, sort of yo-yo out of restrictions again and then on, back on they come as very likely travellers bring COVID back to our state. Um, I think it's safe money that that's, that to, to, to bet in that direction, isn't it? Uh, if we'd learn anything from the American experience in the last couple of weeks, isn't it that the coronavirus has put our society on a very strange footing and a volatile one? Um, all is not well. And friends, I can't tell you when things will be all well again, uh, or even what all is well is going to look like for us for quite some time to come. All of which leads me to think that now, right now, is an important time for us to invest some time and thought and care into this question, who are the people of God to be in a time of pandemic? Who are the people of God to be in a time of pandemic? Because at the outset, Yes, we wanted to be, we needed to be the people who placed the love of neighbour ahead of comfort, ahead of tradition, and we moved swiftly and, and I think, cooperated uh, gladly with our government and prayed fervently and we closed the doors and we pivoted as fast as we could with our different ministries. That was the right thing to do. But what about now? Uh, What about now when things are harder and when the game is longer and things are far less certain and there's a whole lot more kind of Uh, unpredictability about the road ahead. Who are we as the people of God in a time of pandemic? Who are we to be? Um, 
How would anyone know that we're distinctively God's people? What lives must we lead? These sorts of questions, wherever this thing is going to lead us. Um, Friends, we're going to spend three weeks on that question starting this week. Uh, The people of God in a time of pandemic with one another, uh, before the Lord and out to the world. That's going to be our three weeks. We're focusing on with one another. This is week one, the people of God in a time of pandemic with one another firstly, this week. Shall we pray as we turn to Romans 12 and God's Word to us? Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Your Word um, warns us, contains so many warnings against arrogantly making our plans, uh, proudly formulating our lives and only then baptising our great expectations with a perfunctory prayer to You for blessing. And Father, don't we now see the wisdom of your word in that. Right now we see clearly the stupidity and arrogance of carrying on as if we're the ones in control of our destiny. Father, we trust that you do know and you can see and you will bring to pass your good and right and true and just intentions for our world and you show us how to live in the midst of it all. You call us to live like Christ Father, may we learn something of that quiet and humble and patient and uh, devoted life that is good for us, uh, that is good for our world, that glorifies Jesus out from us in every season and especially in this one. So, inspire us, O God, with a vision of who you would have us be, please. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, in view of God's mercy, right, there's the basis, there's the the why, there's the, uh, the foundation, in view of God's mercy to you, Christian, Offer your bodies, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, our heart and soul, that's our true, our proper worship, Um, pour ourselves out before the Lord in view of God's mercy to you. Is that how we're living? Is it true, brothers and sisters, that some of us feel very much at the moment like, yes, our heart and our soul has been poured out over these last weeks and and months? Uh, I think some of us is it true? Most of us, we feel quite weary at the present time for having been, we feel spent, we feel worn out and, and poured out. Not because things have been bad necessarily, for, for most of us I mean, uh, for some of us uh, that is the case, but for most of us, not that things have been bad, not because we've been made into a living sacrifice in some gruesome and, and difficult way, and in fact, not particularly necessarily because of anything in our life before God as such, we wouldn't put it that way, but just life in this world, with all of the uncertainty and all of the change, um, having the kids at home and then they're back at school, um, having the door closed to visitors and yet at the same time occasionally wanting to, to, you know, sneak over to mum and dad's and give them a hug or something and then feeling guilty about that and conflicted about that and should we have done that and have we put them at risk? It's wearying, it's been tiring. 
I think we have, or perhaps we're still in the process as well of, how do I put this politely, abandoning hope that things will return to normal. Uh, I think we're beginning to see that normality going forward won't be the same as normality back then, barring, of course, the appearance of a vaccine on the scene. No, the best that we can hope for now is a new normal. Now, that's not all bad, uh, by the way, because in our weariness, have some of us had this realisation, have some of us made this discovery, you know what, I don't want to go back to normal as it was. I don't feel that my old life before was particularly sustainable or healthy or necessary um, or wise, um, have some of us had those sorts of thoughts, if things went back to normal tomorrow, can you name something that you would choose not to go back to, not to take up again? Um, I bet you can think of something. In that way, it's been a blessing of sorts, a reset that's been very healthy and helpful. And yet, then Romans 12 verse 1, as we start to now think and dream uh, about a new us, about a new me, about a wiser and kinder and healthier and better life, will we put it together in view of God's mercy and still with an ardent desire to give ourselves as living sacrifices to Him, our heart and our all, to the worship of the God who had mercy on me? Will that be our approach to life moving forward? So, Romans 12, um, as we dig in now, it highlights one essential ingredient of a life wholly given to the Lord, and it's going to be our focus for today. It's just two words uh, as we give our lives as living sacrifices in true worship to God. Here are the two words, one another. In fact, in Greek, it's just one word, but we've, you know, it, two words, one another. Um, if we have perhaps been dreaming and imagining our new future selves, uh, dare I say it, as people who withdraw from church, as we think about the, the new us emerging from this, who no longer see so much time or scope, um, has that sort of stuff crossed your mind? Perhaps there's pause for thought here, one another. Uh, if we have perhaps been aching and itching to just get back to church, and um, why? Well, because it's good for me and it's what I want, it's familiar, it's traditional and it's safe and I ought to be allowed to, and why hasn't the government given us bigger numbers as church? After all, church is good for society, Perhaps this pause for thought here for us as well, because church isn't about me, do you see? One another. We're going to have to delve into this. Will we, as the people of God in a time of pandemic, lift our eyes together to see the call of God on us, not merely as individuals, but together? Not just as ones, but as one another. I've got three brief points for today, three brief points. Uh, the first one's the longest one. Uh, firstly, one another involves each unique one invested actively in each other. One another relentlessly reapplies the glue of love to bind each one to another, that's secondly. And thirdly, one another expands as each one blesses each broken other. I think Paul gives us a vision here, Romans chapter 12, that doesn't push us to hurriedly reopening church or restoring the way things were, but it is a vision that sees each of us restored to God, um, restored to one another, 
restored to our world and restoring our world to our God in view of His mercy. Join me at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you could please, Romans 12, verse 1. And uh, firstly, for this first point, one another involves each unique one invested actively in each other. Uh, The coming months, friends, will not be a time to withdraw or turn away, but to show up in one another's lives. I'm not talking about church meetings, I mean active investment in one another. Why? Because it's who we are. Because it's what we've discovered in the mercy of God to me and to us. Let's read Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. For, verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Where do you see yourself in there? May I just speak uh, for a moment to those who, uh, who, among us, who really do find the temptation to hide away from Christian community a very alluring temptation indeed. Um, Perhaps because when it comes to church, you're someone who you just feel like a square peg in a round hole with church. You just feel different. You're a Christian, don't get me wrong, but just when it comes to gathering with this particular group of Christians or that particular group of Christians, those other Christians, they aren't like me. I don't seem to fit with them. I think very often... Um, arty people, very artistically talented people can feel this way. I think very creative, extraordinary Christians um, can suffer with these feelings and this temptation, particularly. Um, Friends, if this is you, do you see what this passage affirms to you here in Romans 12? Um, Yes. Do you know what? You are unique. You are different. And God knows it. In fact, he designed his children to include you, a body with many parts. He doesn't want everyone to be like you, actually, and he doesn't expect them to become like you, and he doesn't expect you to become exactly like everyone else around you. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, fingers, toes, nose, the rest, and these members do not all have the same function. Verse 5, So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts 
according to the grace given to each of us. And I wonder, friends, have we learned to rejoice in that? Or does it still drive us nuts? <laughs> I will never be the artist that, um, that Alex or uh, Helen or David um, is, that they are. I'll never be the, the just tender and warm and beautiful people that uh, a Marion or an Emily or... A, you know, I've got lots to learn from them, don't get me wrong, but I'm just not the same as them. Um, I can't draw, I don't have the wealth of experience, I can't draw on the practical genius of a a career of building or plumbing or some other trade as many of you can. Now, does that drive me nuts? Or do I drive you nuts? (laughs) What does it say? Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And did you notice each time, where were those unique talents directed? One another involves each unique one invested actively in each other, do you see? Not passive, not separate or silent, not selfish, and nor despairing of having any place here. Do you realise that you matter to us as a church? And you will continue to matter as we go forward, as we try to find a way together out the other side of this pandemic. So secondly then, one another relentlessly applies the glue of love to bind each other, uh, each one to each other. Now, interestingly, four times uh, across chapter 12, uh, this, in this one chapter, Paul, uh, the author here, Paul, the writer to the Romans, he uses the Greek word for one another four times. Uh, it was actually once back in verse 5, uh, and it's here uh, now twice in verse 10 alone, actually. But the secret to it isn't just, you know, dwelling on uses of the words and all of that stuff. The question is, how do you actually do it? How do you be one another together? Because Christian, shock horror, as these verses are going to show, Christians let one another down, we hurt one another, we disappoint one another, we moan and complain about one another, Uh, not to our uh, credit. Uh, Friends, I'm as guilty as anyone else here. How on earth will we keep and build and creatively reshape our church together into whatever the new normal looks like in the coming months and years? How will we do it? Well, at least this by relentlessly applying, reapplying the glue of love, relentlessly in view of the mercy that God's already shown to us, do you see? Verse 9, let's have a look there. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice 
hospitality, which of course needs to be up to a maximum of, I think it's 10 guests in your home at the moment. Make sure you have one and a half metre spacing. Uh, with those guests, be sure to wash your hands, provide sanitizer, avoid sharing food. Anyway, I jest. Um, <laughs> Friends, is it true that one of the things that dampens the heart uh, is disappointment? The disappointment of repeatedly not getting what we want. Um, and I'll say it bluntly, when it comes to our various ministries and, and, and services, our, our visiting one another and uh, meetings and so forth, look, I think few of us are loving doing church this way. Maybe there's one or two, but I think they're the outliers. I think few of us are loving doing church in this way in this season. We can put an optimistic and thankful and, and you know, a spin on it that's full of gratitude, and I think we should because there's lots to be thankful for. But as the changes and uh, relaxing of measures come in, perhaps we're in for a time of feeling kind of disappointed, uh, even for a while to come. Uh, because as a leader right now in a few of our different ministries, I can see, friends, there are going to be a thousand different little decisions for us to make. Uh, about what to do and when and with how many people and, and how will we change that ministry to make it work in the new environment and should we even restart that thing at all or do we have the energy to try this new thing that would be a great opportunity to take up right now? A thousand decisions, which means a thousand possibilities for disappointment or conflict or differences of opinion. And, you know, and I may I say, and we collectively, we're going to get some of those decisions wrong, aren't we? Friends, what is going to be the glue that holds us back together over these coming months? The same glue that God used to put us together around Christ, us together with one another in the first place. Will we keep reapplying the glue of love in our church community, with one another, for one another, relentlessly. It's so easy to do the opposite, to just turn away or turn our back. But no, Romans 12 verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. I particularly like verse 12, actually, the simplicity, the lightness of it. Verse 12, be joyful in hope. Is that going to be us? Be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. Now, friends, is that the temperature that we're establishing, setting, never mind our church for a moment, in our homes right now? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Is that the temperature in our homes right now? Uh, I'll say this to husbands, is that the tone that we're setting in our families right now? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. With flatmates, with the people that you live with, with your family members when you finally do get to catch up, is this the tone that we're setting? Is this the air that we breathe, even in affliction? Now, when you, would, when you disappoint me or when I disappoint you, um, when things don't go the way that either of us want it to, when circumstances or restrictions have to come back on and sort of kick us in the guts again. Let's be as Christ to one another, devoted 
to you and to me, to one another in love, picking my zeal back up, joyful, patient, applying that glue of love, the glue of God's mercy that he's shown to me, which leads thirdly and briefly to the kind of people that we stand to be for the world around us. If this is the calibre of our community, then what will we be to the world around us? We're going to explore this in more depth in a couple of weeks' time. Will we be one another for our world as we bless the broken, as we forgive the failing, as we show God to the godless around about us? One another, finally, thirdly, it expands as each one... Uh, blesses each broken other. Because it's not just about how we do church, it's also about how we grow the people of God, reach out with the mercy of God in this time of pandemic. Now, uh, we'll read from verse 14, from verse 14, but answer me this if you could, because there's something that I'm unsure about here. At what point does Paul start to look outward from the church out to the world? Um, Is it verse 14... Or is it verse 17? I think it's verse 14 because it talks about persecution, but uh, perhaps Paul is just talking about the way Christians really can cause grief to one another. We can, can't we? Um, But the answer is the same, do you see? It's going to be bless whomever you come across. Verse 14, let's read from there. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And may I just make a, uh, I guess, a side comment here in a way, in view of the events of the last couple of weeks. Um, what do we have there? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, leave room for God's wrath, uh, verse 19. Uh, It's mine to avenge, I will repay. I think it's important for us to note, in view of the world climate, I'm thinking especially of America, this is not saying that we as Christians should look the other way when injustice is visited on our neighbour. Uh, whether that's a black neighbour, Asian neighbour, single mother neighbour, disabled neighbour, whomever, please, let's not listen to this call in our lives to leave room for God's wrath as grounds for inaction and doing nothing on behalf of uh, black America or to tell protesters to quiet down and go home or whatever. I think that would be a misapplication of this passage. No, we want to be agents of God's justice in our world, where the dignity of our fellow human beings is eroded systemically and culturally and in all sorts of ways. A little bit of an aside, I didn't want us to misapply this passage, but let's come back at the person-to-person level, right? You and me, in our lives, with your peers, uh, with your siblings, 
when someone does wrong against you with your neighbour, when the, the, the neighbour over the back fence submits a development to council that is just, you really cannot see that as how that's a loving neighbourly development to propose, will you be someone who stands on the principle that I deserve justice and I need it now? Or will you be someone who stands on the principle that what you need and what they need is to be blessed by God? A broken world, yes, does need the justice of an unbending God who comes in judgment and He will. But is that the mercy of God that we've found in Christ and that we live in light of? In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. See, one another expands as each one blesses each broken other. Friends, let's conclude. The people of God in a time of pandemic, uh, we may not be able to do the things normally that we do to show uh, our God to our world, you know, church services, preaching the gospel uh, in the usual ways, big gatherings, and we are kind of scrambling and I suspect that feeling is going to remain for quite some time yet, but what we have, what we have is the mercy of God to us, the mercy of God to you in Christ, uh, the mercy of God to us together one another. Friends, let's show that, not just because it works or it makes our lives easier um, or it'll keep it together long enough until we can get back to normal. No, let's display the mercy of God because it's who our God is and He is who our world needs and He is who we need. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Let's pray together. Our Father God in heaven, it has been said that the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. And God, we do, we forget, uh, we confess, we find it easier to, to splinter apart and look out for number one, to forget the mercy of our God, to be less than generous or less than zealous. Father God, may the mercy of Christ to us, that rich and constant, uh, devoted and unto death mercy of Christ to us, may that remind us of what life's all about and what message we want to hold out for our world and what message we want to display in our church right now. Father, we pray, yes, for, uh, we pray for an end to this pandemic for so many reasons but we pray for a constancy, uh, the constancy of the mercy of God lived out amongst us. So give us your grace that we might warmly and fondly and wholeheartedly and mercifully turn toward one another in worship to you and in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.